DEI test with Eric and Brady. We've got uh, another fabulous guest today. Uh, we're going to talk about sports from a little bit different perspective with me as a photographer, Brady as a writer. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to the eye test. We're glad to have everybody back. Brady's here with me. I'm Eric Francis. Garrett Moravik. Moravik. That's right. I keep wanting to put that A up front. I know it's wrong. <laughs> it's about to come out of my mouth. Um, you're our first returning guest on the on uh, on the eye test. I, um, and the reason I wanted to have you back is I saw a couple of videos. I sent them to you. Right. Um, one about a guy. He tra- he trains a lot of. Uh, Simon Sinek. Yep. And he and he does a lot of and he pops up on my feed all the time now. Yeah. And then there was that clip from uh Tom Osborne. From Tom. Yeah. From Coach Tom. And I thought you were the perfect person to touch on those two concepts. Um as a as a quick refresher. Well, I want wanna let you just jump right into what they what the, what those two clips were talking about and how they how they tie together. One of them was talking about what makes a Navy SEAL, and right. one of the SEALs said, "Well, he can't tell you what makes it, but he can tell you which ones right. don't." The second one was talking. Um, Tom Osborne was talking about not hating your opponent, but rather loving the opponent, but using that energy of positivity. To drive the behavior rather than I think than he was getting at lo- loving the guy standing next to you more than you hate the guy across from you, is what exactly. I Exactly, but also, like he was saying, the galvanic sp- uh, skin response that you measure for hate is the very same thing as fear. Right. So you drive through hate, now next thing you know you're not doing well, now you're fearful. Yeah. And that's what he was saying. You don't want to go down the hate path because it takes you Because when the going path. gets tough, then it flips over to fear and and it's hard to to get things done yeah. from a fearful and mindset. N- now you're screaming down the hill with no brakes. Right. Um that Navy SEAL thing was was something that I always thought like in the back of my brain I thought was 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 important but it wasn't until the last decade or so that I really started to wrap my brain around around it on a deeper level. That, but also that, that that Tom Osborne thing was the first thing that I wanted to talk about because even though I get it, I wanted to talk about it because I think the people listening would would be interesting interested on your take on it. The whole, you know, you listen to that clip and he talks about, about how love is more powerful than fear and hate and all of that. And, and the first thing I thought of was like, okay, what is the mechanism as, as coaches, as mentors – um, to these young younger people, what is the mechanism for taking that love, but also making them the most physical team? Like, how how does the how do you transform that love into like beating the shit out of your opponent? Right, and I think I don't know about you guys, but when I grew up, you know, as a young kid, and we'd play out in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We were playing with our buddies, and sometimes they were on the other team, and sometimes mm-hmm. they were on our team. But we didn't say, oh, well, now I, you're not my friend anymore. You said, I just want to beat you. But then you'd all go get you know, baseball cards or <laughs> right. a Slurpee afterwards together, and it didn't matter. I think that we take it to this next level, and we, we create these visions of the opponent as an enemy. And I think that that's the wrong way. I think without an opponent, we have no game. 
we can't play unless we have an opponent. So we have to show respect and gratitude to our opponent, but it doesn't mean that we don't want to knock the snot out of them, just like what we would do with our buddies. We didn't have any problem beating our buddies in whatever we're That's playing. That's true. We just said, that's just my friend, but I still want to beat you. Right. But if we lost, it was like, okay, well, I'm not upset about it. I'm just going to beat you tomorrow. And, and you kind of look at it that way. So from my perspective, I think I want to show great respect, and I want to pick my opponent back off the, the turf if I'm playing football. But I also want them to know I'm coming at you again because <laughs> I'm going to put you back down where right. you just got picked up from. Right. And in a way that's respectful, that I think earns more uh, respect from the opponent because it's not a personal thing. Because they're a human. They're, you know, someone from the United States. Right. Hey, we're all together. We're one team, one country. We might have different opinions and we might have different goals. But really the goal is we want to go out there and play some sport and have some fun with somebody that's pushing us to become our greatest. Right. Yeah. And without a really good, strong opponent then how great really are you? Yeah, and I think Tom in that, in that video clip also touched on something that I think is really important is that, the, you know, they figured out that, that what gets a guy to charge up the hill into a, into a machine gun nest was not, you know, some, some duty to the drill sergeant that, that, that made your life miserable for, for six weeks or whatever. It was your responsibility and love and care for that guy standing next to you on the front lines. Exactly. Right. So that was the, so that bond, that, that, that brotherhood is, is far more powerful than, than any hate that you can, that you can generate on the other side. And I'm trying really, really hard to not go down the star Wars. I grew up, I grew up with the, before hashtags were hashtags. I grew up with the hashtag star Wars is life. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it from the earliest days of my life that there was so much wisdom in that, in that story. Was, yeah. Right. And there is, and there is, cause you, I can, you could teach a whole class with, with star Wars. In fact, I think somebody did at one point, but I don't want to say. Yeah. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would to touch on that that brotherhood aspect again, and and how how I'm always interested in how how coaches how do you do that because you can't make people love each other, you can't make people like each other. I talk to my son all the time about you're not going to like every guy on your team. Yeah, it's 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 impossible. Every team I was ever on in my life, there was a guy or two that I couldn't freaking stand. But there was something that happened through all of that blood, sweat, and tears where when you stepped into battle, for lack of a better, a, a better analogy, when you stepped into battle, you felt differently about that person, at least for this, this piece of time. Right. And how, so how, as a coaching staff, how do, you, how do you foster that? How do you try to nurture that in happening? Well, I, I think, and it ties to my opinion about the Navy SEALs. I do believe that there is a way to determine who's got a greater chance of being in the Navy SEALs, and it's something called grit. Right. And grit, it, based on the research done by Dr. Angela Duckworth from uh, University of Pennsylvania, she was approached by the West Point Military Academy to say, hey, we cannot figure out how to select the appropriate people as freshmen coming in because we have so much dropout when beast barracks occurs, which is very intense mental and physical training. 
and they're trying leadership things and IQ tests and grades and recommendations. They're spending almost a million dollars per person to try to determine is that person going to stick it out. And she came up with the 12-question grit scale that was a better predictor of that person sticking it out than all those other tests. So much so that they determined, hey, this grit score test also applies to things like they're really tough, like the script spelling bee competition, that you got to really put that effort in. But what they've discovered is what makes people more gritty is if they have a, a passion about something and the perseverance to pursue that, that it's like almost so deeply ingrained that this purpose that they have, that the, it's a purpose that's beyond themselves, but beyond what's in it for me, but what's in it for others too. And when those people become that gritty, those are the ones that successfully make it, and research shows that. So what we try to do at Westside and really instill, how do you learn to be more gritty, which then makes you more suitable for being a good teammate, even if you don't like the guy. Right. You know, okay, we have a purpose, we, and we are passionate about this so deeply that it means we have to think about others before ourselves. It's hard because not everybody wants to do it. But when you start seeing what makes people more gritty is being around more gritty people, then it kind of snowballs. Okay. And so I believe, again, that you can create that if you understand what kinds of things go into making someone more gritty, which then makes them more successful. Does your business need easy, competitive financing for your trucks and other equipment? Currency is here to help. Well, Currency specializes in finding the best available rates and terms for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, and trailers. In fact, customers can get up to $500,000 with little or no money down and up in terms up to 72 months. Currency can also help if you're getting serious about buying a new or used motorhome, fifth wheel, or utility vehicle. And all you really have to do is go fill out the application, and the Go Currency Finance team will take care of the rest for you in finding the lender and the most competitive options for you. It's quick, secure, and free to use. Currency is equipment financing made simple. And and take it from me, I grew up on a farm. So visit GoCurrency.com for details and learn the rest. I like that. Did you have it? You look like you had a question brewing in your head. No, well, I'm I'm just trying to take it all in because I I heard about this or I, I... when the Big Ten released their schedules, you know, for 2025, 2024, all of that, and Nebraska's schedule came out and reported on it, and everybody's just complaining about Big Ten still hates Nebraska because look at this, this difficult schedule. Look at how difficult 2025 is. they got to play everybody, you know, that right. year. And I've – and part of me understands where, like, that's coming from. I think to, uh, to a certain degree back when I played sports, there was a little bit of the, hey, if – I, I want to win every time, and I have the best chance of winning if my opponent isn't very good kind of thing. But over time, and especially recently, and I think it's mostly since I've rediscovered my love for rodeo and have covered rodeo, where now I view it through in the similar things to what both of you guys have been saying about like a, a rough stock rider, saddle bronc, or bull rider. Right. Like, of course, it's a little different because you're competing against each other, but 
you're directly competing with livestock, right. I guess. But every single one of those guys, you know, they're they're friends. I mean, you might have disagreements with some, but you're travel buddies. You go together. Nobody really hates each other. There's no direct competitiveness between you and another rider. They're cheering each other on. They're helping each other out as they go, and they're hoping the best for each other's score. Now, if you're competitive and you want to win, like most of them do, because there's a pretty good amount of money on the line, you just want to be the best at what you do and let your own performance dictate the tempo. If you're not that good, you just hope that your buddy does well and stays healthy and does all that, and and everything works out for the best. Anybody who's been around rodeo folk will know I would be I'd love to see what their grit score is. Oh, those have got to be some of yeah. the, those are some of the toughest individuals. And I've, you know, football players, wrestlers, hockey players, I've been around them all my entire life covering them. And a rodeo, like a bronc rider, a bull rider, those have got to be some of the toughest individuals in the world as far as I'm concerned. Oh, there was one bull rider um, back in Casper. Well, we were covering college national finals rodeo, and Brady Gray was his name, Australian guy, riding for, I can't, Hillsdale? I don't think that's right. But one of the schools, and he's you know on his bull and gets thrown off to the side, and the bull steps on him on his way down. He scoots into the chutes, and then it's a like a big thing. He's got to be rushed to the hospital. they got to fly out, like life-threatening injuries. He's all right next year comes around and he flies back and they you know he comes out of the the ambulance that they bring to the center of the arena and everybody's cheering and everything but he's like i'm gonna be back on a bull and i'm gonna be riding again like even his coaches and doctors and his family are like please don't don't. (laughs) please don't like we almost just you know we almost saw this kill you and but that's what he wants to do and it's that grit to get back even regardless of own well-being because some of it some people are just wired to where that adrenaline, that thrill of doing what they love, however terrible it is to their own body, just gives them a certain amount of the internal fire and internal yeah. fulfillment. It ties back into that passion yeah. you were talking about, being passionate for what you're doing. And and those those people, I mean, you you have to know, and I've always believed that there, there are people that are just wired differently. Yeah. And they're just, no matter what <clears throat> body type they have, they're mentally wired, and their grit score's got to be off the charts. Um, but, you know, like I was saying, I, I've also been thinking a lot about how, you know, how, how we teach that grit, how we, I don't can you teach it? Is yeah. it more of a fostering? Is it a nerd, or is it all of it well, together? Can, it is a little bit. You're born with the genes that you have, but you're infected or impacted by the environment. And that environment really allows you opportunities to get shaped. You know, you, you look at, I like to use with the kids, a samurai sword. You say samurai sword, it's a piece of metal, but it's like the most elite sword that you can have. Well, right. to create that samurai sword, it has to be folded and pounded 10,000 times. And you think, okay, when I get squished by the bull or I don't make first string, I'm just being folded and pounded. And those that can say, okay, that's part of the experience, but I'm so passionate about what I'm doing is that doesn't dissuade me. And how do I get that? Well, you have to be around gritty people, but you have to have certain skill level things of taught about like deliberate practice. Right. You know, that's very measurable. And then the support system that you get, uh, the kinds of things that you're exposed to that allow you to do a little bit of failure. So you have to push through but it's not 
soul crushing. Right, not so right. But it is like, oh, I didn't quite make it. Those are the things that start to sharpen it in creating the folding and pounding that you can see and what we've done at Westside, and, and I don't mean it can only be at Westside. We did it at Peru State football team, and I've done some other professional and college teams. You can shape the grit to get increased over time as they start getting exposed to some of these failures and the deliberate practice and then being around more gritty people, where you can start to see the scores go up. Right. So when you look at our football team, and since I'm with them all the time, I can measure their grit score every year. And what we've done is we're seeing the grit scores continuing to break records from previous seasons. And I think it's not an accident that we go to the state championship every year. And we don't win it all. Right. But, you know, we give ourselves a shot and we say we're getting more and more gritty that you're saying, is it because we're getting more gritty that we can just persevere and give ourselves a shot? Or, you know, that is it happening in the other way, the chicken or the egg first? Mm -hmm. But I see it in other sports, too. And I'm seeing that some of the guys that are learning to be more gritty are becoming more successful, even though, like, I've got a golfer that qualified for the final um, uh, U.S. Open golf championship qualifier, and he wasn't the number one guy on his team, but yet he's really gritty, and he stuck it out and got that far, which most people didn't see that coming. But I did because I said, he can he can just really turn that grit on. It does, yeah. He's not dissuaded by the failures. I really like that that analogy of... of- of bending and and folding the sword, well, uh, it's because it, it, what it made me think about is what I've always told my boys is is you know like you you know one of them and and his older brother when they were when they were freshmen and sophomores coming in and you know there's that you're the you're the low guy on the totem pole kind of thing going on and I've always told them I said if you wanted to be if you want to be the best if you want to make varsity then then this year you don't be afraid to, and I've t- I told them both this that you, know, you go in and line up against the the best guy on the team. Yeah. Get yeah. get fo- get folded a few times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get folded a few times and you'll and you'll get better. You're not going to get better by lining up across from the guy that you know you can beat every single time. That's not going to make you better. No, it's not. And so go get go get your butt kicked a little bit, and you'll get better. And uh, and, and hopefully it hopefully it works out for them. Well, I but, think uh, too, Eric, that you've got to have that um, Scott. You got to have that purpose. You know what, whatever it is, you say I've got to have this purpose to do this. I mean, you guys think about your own careers, and somehow it drove you to do this. That you just it lights you up to do this. I can see it in your eyes, yeah. and it, it it's exciting to be part of it. Just because I know that's part of your passion, right? But I, I'd like to tell a story that kind of. A, gives that analogy. So there's a, a big cathedral being built and there's three bricklayers. And the first one comes up and you say, what are you doing? And he said, you know, I'm laying bricks. You know, so he's got a job. Second guy he said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm building a church. And you say, okay, he's got a career. And the last guy, you say, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a house of God. And you say, he's got a calling. And that's what we need to, how do we instill that calling it's whatever it is, and sports are easy to measure, so it's fun to talk about sports. Yeah, but right. you guys are living your calling. That's find why you're some, doing find, this. Find something to be passionate about. 
Yeah, I mean Wyatt's older brother. Did you, you know you you met you met Mitch? He he you know could have been a you know well he was a, a you know a varsity baseball player at Westside at a time when that was clearly the best program in the state and and he gave it all up to trans. You know, when he realized his real passion, mm-hmm. even though baseball was his passion from like seven years old on, but then he, you know, he realizes his real passion was making movies and things like that. And he walked away, he put the baseball glove down to go concentrate on that. And I remember telling him in the, at, in the moment that that I was really proud because, you know, as a junior in high school, that was one of the most mature decisions I've yeah. ever seen being made. To, to to have two passions and be willing to put one aside for another one, you know, one that you thought your entire childhood was going to be your destiny, right? Your goal was to your goal was to be varsity at Westside, and your goal was to play college baseball, and right, and you have those dreams and goals, and to put all that aside for for something that came along later that you were really passionate about was was good. Well, and you think at least my experience, having hired a lot of people, that the people that played sports were the ones that you could really shape and and create really good employees because they were used to constructive advice. And those that didn't play any sports would crumble as almost if you said that they're not worthwhile as a human being because you're saying, well, you know, this paragraph really isn't what I needed to be. And that would be soul crushing to this other person's like I had a coach tell me ten times just an hour. Right. All right. Well, was there anything else no. that you had? Well, I'll we'll throw this out there because okay. it's kind of similar story, but it's short. Um, and it's just kind of a parlance I've found and I can't remember where I found it, but there's that and you might have heard it already, Garrett, but there's that I think it was as the saying goes, there's a, a rabbi sits down with a couple and gets asked, you know, Rabbi, there's one, one person's climbing up a ladder and they're halfway up. Or one person's halfway up a ladder. Another person is three-quarters of the way up a ladder. Who's further? And the rabbi says, whoever's still moving forward. Yeah. I mean, whatever you're at, those still striving and those still moving forward yeah. are yeah, that in makes me think position. That makes me think of that speech from Rocky, whatever it was, when he was coaching his son. He was just talking about keep moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because that's how winning is done, right? You just keep moving forward. You get knocked down, you get up, and you keep moving forward. Yeah. That's the truth. Yep. Awesome. Well, we need to keep this one short because you all have 4th of July plans, I'm sure. Um, so we're going we're gonna to keep this. Sure we're going to keep <laughs> Yeah, see? My, my Apple Watch didn't understand. <laughs> Now Dylan's back there trying to figure out how the hell he's going to cut that out. No, your your schedule must be pretty open for the fourth then. If it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know why how you can't yeah, fit so in So we're going to we're going to keep this one a little bit short because everybody's got places to be today. But this was something I, I I wanted to talk about. Thanks for coming in, Garrett Brady, for driving up from Lincoln as always. I'm Eric. This was the eye test. Thanks for coming in. Sports Network Production.